So as, uh, as Josh said, we're starting this brand new series, uh, and he used that word, and I want you to think about that word for a second. In fact, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you actually, if you, if you would trust me just for a second, I want you to close your eyes, okay? And I'm going to say that word again, and when I say it, I want you to think in your mind, what, what picture comes to your mind when I say worship? Worship. Okay, there you go. You can open your eyes now. So um, uh, I wonder... When I said that word, what images came into your mind? Maybe some of you thought, well, it's singing, right? That's, that's kind of what we do is it's singing. Maybe some of you, you thought of um, a church building. Maybe it was a picture of a, a stained glass window, you know, and it was a beautiful image. People dressed up in their Sunday best. Maybe some of you were thinking of organ music. Maybe when you think of worship, you picture a big choir singing. And I don't know what your thoughts are on worship. I don't know what your thoughts are on church. Maybe you're here this morning and you grew up going to church. Maybe you were a young person. We've got some young people here in the crowd this morning. It's, it's great to see all you guys and girls. And maybe some of you mums and dads and grandmas and grandpas out there, you can remember what it was like to be a kid in church. And the idea of worship to you was like, oh, every Sunday morning I've got to go and sit next to mum and dad and, and sit through that service. It was this thoughts of excruciating boredom, punishment for breaking the rules, followed by more moments of boredom. I heard a story once, a little boy asked his mum, he said, mum, what's the highest number that you could count up to? And she said, oh, I don't know. What's the, what's the highest number that you could count up to? He says, 5,372. She said, Wow. That's a very specific number. How did you come up with that number? Is the, the highest number you could count up to? And the little boy said, well, that's where I got to when church finished. And the idea, you know, when sometimes we think of worship, it was like, man, just sitting there counting down the minutes here. You're just counting down when this will be over. And I, I hope this morning, if you're a regular here at Connect, that's not the case for you. I hope you're not counting down the minutes till it's over. I hope if you're a young person and you've been involved in Connect Kids, you look forward to coming to church. Many of our young people do. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if some of you parents are here this morning because your kids wouldn't let you not come. They love being in Connect Kids and we love that we can see that happen. But wherever we come from, we will all have a different idea of, of what worship is and what it means. So over the next few weeks, in fact, the next five weeks, throughout the month of March, we're going to look at this idea of what is worship. And not just what is worship, but why do we do it? So in the context here of Connect Church, the question we're going to be asking is, what is that thing we do? And why do we do that thing we do? Because there are a lot of things that take place on a Sunday morning. If you've been coming here on a regular basis, you'll see that there's, there's a lot of things that take place on a regular basis in our services. And maybe if you were asked, why do they do that? Your response would be, well, that's just that thing they do. That's just what we do. But why do you sing? Well, that's what we do. So we want to try and answer that question, why we do what we do uh, in the context of worship. We're going to look at the ideas of, of why it is that we sing on a Sunday morning. Why is it that this morning the band came and they practiced and we spent the first part of the service this morning singing? Maybe some of you thought, you know what, I just figured it was Dave. I figured he's like some prima donna and they're like the warm-up act because he doesn't want to go out to a cold crowd. So they're kind of warming the crowd up so he can come out you know, and really enjoy speaking. I, I thought that's why we sung. Why do we give? Why do those guys come forward? Is it just to pay the bills or is there something more spiritual to that idea of giving? Later on this morning, we're going to take communion. And some of you think, well, why do we take communion? I just figured we did that on a regular basis. It was kind of a churchy thing to do. They talk about serving. Why serve? 
Why do I have to listen to this guy speak with that funny accent every week? What's that about? It's, it's just that thing we do. But all of those here in the context of Connect, they all fall under this umbrella of what we call worship. And in fact, we actually believe that worship isn't just reserved to a, an hour or so on a Sunday morning, but it actually overflows into our everyday lives. So over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack this whole idea of worship and discover that it's not just that thing we do. We're going to look at why we sing. Look at the purpose behind singing. Is it for God or is it for us? Or could it be for both? How worship is a part of how we serve here at Connect. How giving can be an act of worship. How worship isn't just something that happens on a Sunday morning, but happens throughout our lives every day. But before we start, before we jump into this series over the next few weeks, I wanted this morning to really use this as an introduction into the series. Give you kind of an idea of where it is that we're going. Maybe an overall look at what worship really is and what worship really means. There's a pastor who I uh, follow. I listen to a lot of his sermons, and he's, I've read some of his books. He's a great guy. His name's Louis Giglio. Okay, great name. Uh, he is a songwriter. He's a pastor. He leads an organization called Passion that do um, events all across the country and across the world where people come and, and they'll spend a lot of time singing and worshiping God. So he's, he's really into worship. And I love this quote by Louis. He says, we are created to worship. That's why you and I are going to spend our lives declaring the worth of something. As a result, we've got to make sure that the thing that we decide to be the greatest value is really worthy in the long run. So I want to tell you something here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and, and this kind of makes sense to you, this idea of worship. It's, it's something that you understand. Maybe you're here this morning, you're just kind of checking things out. And you'll think, well, Dave, I'm not a follower of Jesus. So that worship thing, that doesn't really apply to me because that's kind of a churchy thing. That's a, that's a follower of Jesus thing. But what Louis is saying here is actually every one of us is created to worship. So whether we follow God or not, every one of us has this inclination within us to worship something. And the question he asks is, if we're already worshipers, then how do we make sure that we are worshiping the right thing? Now, this isn't a new question that we're just coming up with today. This is a question that's been asked for hundreds, thousands of years. In fact, as I was preparing for this message, there was a lot I found in the Old Testament written thousands of years ago about what the writers of the Old Testament talked about when they talked about God and they talked about worshiping God. There was a man by the name of Joshua. Some of you may be familiar with Joshua. Joshua was the man who came after Moses, and uh, Joshua was now the new leader of all of the Israelites, and they found themselves in the promised lands, and, and as they're beginning this new life for themselves, Joshua, in the context of worshiping God, he says this very challenging phrase, and he gathers all the people of Israel together, and listen to what he says to them. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. So he's talking about the past there. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer to, uh, the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live in now? There are gods now in the present. So there are gods your ancestors worship. There are gods here in this new land. But choose who you're going to serve. Because listen, Joshua says, As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. 
Joshua was saying, listen, you can worship, but listen, as for me and my family, we're going to choose to worship God, the Lord. You see, the Israelites had been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They'd seen the hand of God guide them through the wilderness and into the promised land. They'd seen God assist them in victory over their enemies. They defeated cities like Jericho and others. And now here they were beginning a brand new life for themselves in this promised land. And this was awesome. But the problem was that in their culture, in those times, there were hundreds, probably thousands of other gods and idols that people worshipped. Where they came from in Egypt, there were idols. Where they came to in this new land, there were other idols that other people worshipped. You see, back in that time, idols would have been worshipped in the hope that they'd give good weather. Didn't work this morning. Uh, Good crops. Many children. A prosperous family. Protection from natural disasters. They, They would have all sorts of gods and all sorts of idols that they would cry out to to keep their lives safe. But Joshua, at this point, he's kind of reiterating to the Israelites what Moses had already brought to them when he came down the mountain. And and you're probably familiar with this story of when he got the, the Ten Commandments. And Moses came before the Israelites and he presented these commandments. And, and listen to what the very first commandment said. In Exodus, we read that uh, Moses says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt the place of your slavery. You must have no other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. So God was pretty clear here, and Joshua was reiterating this later on. He was pretty clear that no idol should take the place of God in their lives. He was the only one to be worshipped. He was the one that wanted all of their worship. Now, you might be here this morning and think, well, wow. That sounds a little bit egotistical. (laughs) That's a little bit seriously like, I want all of it? God's saying, I want every piece of your worship. But let me tell you why he's saying this. There's a a writer in the Psalms who who talks about God a little bit later on. And listen to what he says. He says, and this, this whole Psalm that he's writing, it's Psalm 96, talks all about worship. He says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. This is years later and they're still remembering that God saved them and delivered them from Egypt. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols. But the Lord made the heavens. He's saying, listen, there are other idols, but let me tell you about my God. He made the heavens. He is the creator. He is above all other gods. Boom. Drops the microphone. I think he had the psalm writers then. It walks off saying, no, my God. I think that's when you drop the microphone. I'm not completely sure. But I think if that was the right time to do it, that's when he would do it. He'd say, my God, 
is above all other idols. He created the earth and the heavens. So that's fantastic to look back and hear about Moses and Joshua and these psalm writers who are saying, man, we want to praise God. We want to worship God. We want to put him above all these other foreign idols that surround us. But let's be honest, thousands of years later, how does that impact us this morning? How does that affect us when it comes to worship? Because let's be honest, I'm sure there are some of you sitting here right now feeling pretty good. Sitting here thinking, you know what? I've just done a quick mental inventory and you know what? I've got no idols in my house at all. None whatsoever. We used to have that golden calf on the front lawn, but we got rid of that a few years ago and and now we are idol free. No foreign gods, no idols, nothing. So I'm in pretty good shape this morning according to the standard that Moses presented. But what if idols look different today? What if the concept behind what Moses was saying about God's challenge looks different in our lives today? Because let's think back to that quote that Louis Giglio said earlier describing worship. He says, you and I are going to spend our lives declaring the worth of something. He's saying, listen, when it comes to worship, we're all going to spend our lives declaring the worth of something. We have to choose what that something will be. So this morning, as we're thinking about worship and as we're going into this new series, we probably have to start by asking, what has the greatest worth in our lives? So um, I I thought of a few examples, and um, I brought some props with me to to illustrate some of these things. So my wonderful wife, thank you, Casey, she loves doing that, uh, is here to help me. So... um, (laughs) So I was thinking, you know, what, what could be some things that might be idols to us today? So, so here was the first one I thought of, okay? Maybe, maybe it's sport. I was going to bring a soccer ball, but I realized that wouldn't relate to anyone in the crowd. So I thought I'd bring a, a different kind of sport to be represented here. Maybe you play this. Maybe you follow this. Maybe your kids play it. And um, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in your life. It's a big deal in your home. It, it could be sports. What if it's, uh, what else have we got in here? Um, what if it's work? I think we've got a few guys who help build, make, and design these uh, yellow tractors here. But, but maybe for you, man, work is a huge part of my life. It consumes me. It, it consumes every part of my life. And it, and it even creeps over sometimes, even into my personal life. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's money. Emma made me promise that I'm very careful with this. And if it gets broken or damaged, then I have to pay her back. But uh, this, uh, this little piggy bank belonging to my seven-year-old daughter, this represents, for some of us, money. Maybe money's like a, a bit of an idol in our life. We, we've always never got quite enough, and we're always striving to, to get more in our lives because, because maybe that's the problem, because there's another idol in our life, and that's kind of represented here by, by the bag. <laughs> got my Urban Outfitters bag here to represent shopping. Maybe shopping's the issue, and I don't want to be sexist here this morning and assume this is a, a lady's thing, so I've brought my Apple bag with me as well, because we can all be guilty of uh, consumer- consumerism and wanting to buy the next biggest thing and, and shop and, and buy things. And You know, I don't think this is a bad thing, but maybe it's family. This is a picture of me and my wonderful wife, Casey, and this is here to represent family. And, and every one of these can take different levels of priority in our lives. Now, before some of you start switching off and thinking, whoa, 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 Dave, you're telling me that's bad? I mean, some of those things are really good. How can they be idols? Well, let me illustrate this a little bit more. And to illustrate this, I need a prop from backstage. So 
Awesome, Justin, this is your cue. Here's Justin, let's give him a little round of applause for uh, carrying that very heavy ladder. Well done, thank you very much. So, I wanted this ladder to kind of represent our lives. Because if you think about it, every one of our lives, we could probably go through and, and, and um, assign some, some ratings, some uh, levels to the things in our lives. So I hope this morning that for uh, all of you here, this one goes right at the top. I'd like to believe that every one of us would put family first and whoa, put family first there and that that's very important. Um, let's, let's just take a guess here. Maybe work's a very important part of our lives. So it's not more important than our family, but it is somewhat important. Okay. And then um, money, you know. We've got to live, so let's put that right there. And um, then we've got um, shopping. Let's actually let's put shopping there because some people that's even more important than actually the money they have. So then we'll put the money there, and then we'll um, we'll put sports down here. Okay, so so that's okay. You know, these are all important things in our life, and we're saying, hey, listen, sport's important. I love playing, but it's not more important than work. You know, I'd never skip work just to watch a sports game. I'm sure no one's ever done that, called in sick the day after the Super Bowl or anything like that, you know, because work's high up on my ladder, okay? It's very important to me, you know, and uh, I've never worked late because family, they're really important, you know, and this kind of, and, and, and sometimes things shift up and down on this ladder, you know, sometimes because this was a little bit too high, it was causing problems here. So we had to kind of move these around a bit. We needed a little bit more money, okay? And then we needed actually to work a little bit harder. So then we had to decide to kind of sacrifice on the family a little bit. And things changed a little bit here and there. Is that going to stay like that? Yeah. So things happen. <laughs> hey. Um, things happen in our life, and, and sometimes these priorities shift. But for many of you here this morning, something new has come into your lives. This Bible represents a relationship that many of us here this morning have with Jesus. Some of you have this relationship because you grew up believing in this. You've always followed Jesus. You found Connect Church as your church home and you love worshiping him here. Some of you grew up in church and it's been a long time since you've been in church. But since we launched a a year or so ago, you've come along and you thought, man, it's been great to get back into church. I love being able to bring my kids to church now as a family. We come to church together. So so this is a new thing. And and some of you have never been to church. This is brand new to you. In fact, even now you're kind of sitting there thinking, this is so weird. Okay, but, but you, you're here checking it out because your friends keep talking about it. And they keep saying, you should come check it out. And you're like, okay, I'll come check it out if you stop keep going on about it. And, uh, and here you are and you're still not really sure about that. But wherever you find yourself, some of you have now got this relationship with God. And we've got to look at this ladder and we've got to say, okay, where does this fit? Because I'm going to have to, to move some things around here. So maybe some of you have said, okay, well, you know, sports is down here and, oh, Casey, I'm sorry, that was us. <laughs> that's, that's not a sign or anything. Um, so, <laughs> so some of you have said, listen, I'm going to put this on the top of the ladder. I want God to be the most important thing in my life. Others of you have said, listen, I, I love coming to church and listen, don't get me wrong, God is a part of my life. But if you knew how busy I was at work, and if you knew how important my family are to me, I'm just going to keep laying this flat here. You've all seen us. We look beautiful. So there you go. Um, He's a part of my life, but I'm just going to kind of keep him here. But here's why I think what Moses was talking about when he was talking about idols applies so well to, to this idea of our lives today. To this idea of, of these, um, uh, what could be modern day idols. 
Because where this finds itself on the ladder will determine how you worship. And here's why it's important, because there's a trickle-down effect. Whatever's at the top will influence the things below. So let's say, for example, that, that shopping is something you really love to do. And you maybe shop a little bit more than you should. In fact, unfortunately, shopping has found its way above money on your ladder to where shopping happens more than money comes in. And you hear someone speak, and the guy comes up and says about, you know, uh, we've got a chance to give this week. We're going to help plant a church in Ecuador, or we're going to help raise some money for this uh, here at Connect. And and you really want to give. But because God was below this on the ladder, this trickle-down effect affects it. Because instead, money and shopping has, has become a priority in your life more than God himself. Or maybe work. Maybe you found that because work is a, a higher priority and, and, and it affects your relationship with God. Maybe, maybe even your family. It's great to be with family. But here's the deal, okay? When God is at the top of the ladder, when God is being worshipped in our lives, when he is the most important thing in our lives, here's what I believe. It has this trickle-down effect. So I believe that it actually influences the way you live as a family. Because in my life, God is actually even more important to me than my family. I want to worship God the way the people in the Bible were talking about God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I want to worship him. And out of my worship to him, out of the way I live my life for him, because he's the most important thing in my life, it trickles down and affects how I am as a husband how I am as an employee, how I spend my money and the things that I buy. I love being involved in sports and watching sports, but how I am as, a, as, a, as an athlete or as a parent of an athlete, sometimes that can be tricky. Sometimes that, that can you know, kind of move up and down the ladder. But I heard this analogy once and it stuck with me forever because it's such a great analogy that kind of just wraps up this whole ladder principle when it comes to putting God first in your life. Because I believe that's what worship is, is putting God first in your life. Saying, I, it's, it's not that these are wrong, it's not that they're idols that God wants to get rid of. He just doesn't want you to put them higher in priority than him. And there's a benefit to putting him first. You know, how many of you have ever been um, getting dressed in the morning and wearing a shirt like this? You know, um, obviously it's plaid because there's no other color that shirts come in. Um, and you're, you're buttoning up your shirt and you get, you know, you, you kind of start and then you get down to the bottom and you find that you've got two buttonholes and one button. Has that ever happened to you? I'm sure not to you. You guys are amazing. But every now and again, you know, I'm kind of still a bit half asleep and I get to the bottom and I'm off by one button. Ah. Because you can't fix that without unbuttoning the whole shirt. Because if that one's off, they're all off. But you know what? If you get the top button right, every other button will fall into place. That mistake was just getting one button wrong and it affected every other one in your shirt. And as a follower of Jesus, I honestly believe that when it comes to worship, if we can get the top button right, if we can say, God, I want you to be first in my life. I want you to be the top of my ladder. I love God that you've blessed me with all these wonderful things, but I want you to be the top of my ladder. I want you to be the most important thing in my life. And I want that trickle-down effect to affect every area of my life. I think that's what worship is like. The worship that God was talking about when he was speaking to Moses and Joshua about idols and and worshiping God first and foremost, I think that's what it looks like today. That's what worship looks like today. And that's what we should aspire to have in our lives. But let me give you one last thought here real quick and then we'll, uh, we'll close out and we're going to do worship this morning. 
You see, I think this is only half the story when it comes to worship. Because when you read in the the Old Testament, worship looked a lot different than, than when Jesus entered the picture. You see, thousands of years later after Moses and, jo- and um, Joseph, and a couple of thousand years ago from now, Jesus came and he lived on earth and he died. And from that point on, worship changed. Let me explain. The writer of Romans explains it like this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, let me tell you why that verse at the the beginning of Romans chapter 12 is so important. You see, Romans, this this book that was written to the people of Rome, it's one of the most systematic laying out of the Christian faith books in all of the Bible. And this first verse in chapter 12 is like a hinge for the whole book. You see, Romans is 16 chapters long, and and chapters 1 through 11, they lay out all these heavy, deep truths about God and humanity and Jesus. And then chapters 12 to 16 is what God wants us to do in response to what is true. You see, it starts out in chapter 12, verse 1, with that word, therefore. And one of the basic premises of how to read the Bible is when you see the word, therefore, you should ask, what's the therefore, therefore? You'll remember that now, won't you? What's the therefore, therefore? Because that therefore demands some kind of action. And it's huge. It's saying in light of all that is true about God and people and sin and Jesus and hope and heaven and suffering and right and wrong that's been spoken about in Romans chapter 1 through 11. Therefore, here's what we do with that. It's huge. It's like a hinge in the book that says, and here's how we respond. And you need to know that when that was written in that culture, it would have changed the way people thought about worship. Because up till that point, in the ancient world, worship and sacrifice were synonymous. No matter who you were, you sacrificed to gain the favor of God. Whether you served the God of Israel or an idol, there was sacrifice involved in worship. And the reason there was sacrifice and rituals was because they were used to appease the gods. Because they all knew that on their own, as they were, they weren't acceptable. And I'm not sure how, but it seems that every religion seems to come to this same conclusion. That the only thing you can do from here is earn your way back into being accepted. So from the beginning of time, there was this sense that man was wrong and something had to be manipulated to try and earn his way back into the acceptance of his God. Here were these people who thought worship meant going to some official religious place and sacrificing an animal to God. But because of Jesus, all of this was about to change. You see, Jesus had now come. Jesus had made God clear to us. He'd revealed God to us. And now worship is meant to be the offering of ourselves to God. So listen to how this has changed. There's another version of the Bible. It's called the Message. And it kind of translates the Bible into much more modern English. Listen to the way um, the Message translates. reason in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. He's saying, listen, put God in every part of your life, number one. But here's why. Not because hopefully if you do that, you'll buy some grace back. Not because hopefully you've, you know, you've done enough wrong and, and we need to worship to try and offset that to make things right. You see, Jesus has come now. And this one verse took everything they knew about worship and changed it. 
it could never mean the same again. Because before then, worship was a religious service on a, on a religious day to get a certain response from God. It meant what you do in your daily life. It was in, in, in response to what God had already done. That's what the writer of Romans is saying. It's like, listen, you don't have to worship God anymore to gain something for him. You worship God now because of what he has done. Because you see, we're never going to be good enough. We're never going to keep this at the top enough. Things are always going to go wrong. And up till the time that Jesus came, people were worshiping to try and find their way back into God's good graces. But when Jesus came, it was to die in our place. He came as a sacrifice. He came because we would never be good enough. So now... From that point on, worship isn't, God, I hope I do good enough to earn my way back to you. Worship is, God, thank you for what you did. I worship you because you came. You loved me so much that you sent Jesus. So I'm worshiping God now out of gratitude and thanks. He's he's number one in my life because I want him to be number one in my life because he's done so much for me. As we close out, I I was thinking about this idea of how worship changed. And maybe for some of you this morning, it hasn't changed yet. Maybe you still come to church on a Sunday and it's to make up for some things that took place during the week. Maybe it's to make up for something that happened just last night. And you feel like worship is to come and try and make that right to appease God. And God's saying, listen, when you put me as number one in your life, you'll come and you'll worship because I mean so much to you. Because you've experienced my love, my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness. And I thought of this. I, I bought my wife some flowers this week. Um, they were actually... No, I did. I bought some flowers home for her. I was at a banquet and they let me take the flowers from the table. But I still had the idea of taking them. I realized I was getting more credit than I deserve for that. So. But they let me take the flowers and I thought of Casey. So I bought them home and, and I gave them to her. And she was kind of arranged them in a vase there. And she said to the boys, I heard her say, You know what, boys? You could bring me flowers every day and I'd be happy. She loves getting flowers. And I was thinking about this. You know, sometimes I've bought flowers because I had to. <laughs> they were like, hey, Case, sorry. <laughs> they were the, I'm sorry I did those flowers. But every now and again, I bring flowers just because. And she loves getting flowers anytime. It's not like, you know, one um, is, is better than the other. She loves flowers. But you know what? When it's just because, I think that's a great message. I think Casey's like, ah, oh, how sweet. And that's how God wants to worship him, just because. That's why he wants to be number one in our lives, because he did so much for us, and we will sing and worship him because of who he is and what he's done for us. So I'm really hoping over the next few weeks, as we explain more about why we sing and what worship means, that it'll take you to a new place in your lives when it comes to worship. And maybe even this morning as we we get ready to take communion, Josh is going to come up here in a second. He's going to lead us in communion. Maybe even this morning as we take communion, for you it'll be a different way of thinking about it as we think about the idea of worship. So I'm going to ask Josh. He's going to come up and lead us right now in communion.